Welcome to Pocket Full of Grace, the weekly podcast of Grace Lutheran Church here in State College, Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Scott Schuler. I'm joined by my colleague, Pastor Carolyn Hetman, as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship on the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, August 16, 2020. The words of Scripture can be hard to figure out, and we don't have an opportunity to let them really sink in. We invite you to join us now as you walk, run errands, garden, or pull up a comfy chair. This is your time to be filled by God's Word and to leave with a pocketful of grace for the journey. Pastor Hedrick, let's ground ourselves as you share the prayer of the day. Friends, please join me. God of all peoples, your arms reach out to embrace all those who call upon you. Teach us as disciples of your Son to love the world with compassion and constancy, that your name may be known throughout the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Scholl, what stands out for you in that prayer this week? Well, it's a nicely constructed prayer with two sentences there and two parts. There is an acknowledgement of God's character and then a request a petition, an asking of something. And the character is all about inclusion. Uh, all peoples, all those who call upon you. That's the God we love and worship. And uh, that's, I think, the part I want to highlight at the beginning and encourage people as they listen to the uh, scriptures being uh, read today, that they be listening for that theme in all of the lessons. Who is God inviting Part of that first part of the prayer, your arms reach out to embrace all those who call upon you, is then opened and unpackaged, if you will, um, when we hear seeing the world with compassion and constancy, mm-hmm. that the kind of embrace that God is offering that is made known most clearly to us in, in Jesus' life and ministry is one of compassion and one of constancy. And both of those things will challenge us because it's easy for us to have compassion for those with whom we identify. Or it may be easy for us to engage in something when it is a thing of the moment. But to have a broader view of compassion and a broader understanding of the commitment of discipleship and time and relationship, that's what God's drawing us into. Yeah, I really like that second uh, sentence of the prayer where we're asking God to essentially transform us to be those arms of embrace for all peoples. But it's also a very practical recognition that our example as Christians can either uh, act as a neon sign that sort of directs people to God into that even more direct embrace, or a wall that prevents people from sensing and um, being attracted to that God. It's up to us in some ways. Yeah, I think we're going to get a sense of that actually in our first reading from Isaiah, at least in the background of, of what's going on behind that. So maybe that's a nice opportunity for you to read our first passage to stay from Isaiah. Yeah, the first reading is Isaiah 56. Uh, Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right. For soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord 
to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. All who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. Here ends our first reading. What do you like about that reading, Pastor? Well, this part of Isaiah is coming as the return of the exiles from Babylon has, has come. And when folks were in exile and there was a remnant that was left behind, of course, the temple had been destroyed and they weren't able to be all in the same place and they weren't able to be in their space. And during that time, uh, Sabbath keeping replaced temple sacrifices, the main important ritual that folks engaged in because they're, they're, they didn't have the temple and they didn't even have a complete body, so to speak. But now they're back in the temple. And so how are they going to be? And it makes me think about in another time, not that long ago in our lives when we were all in the building, so to speak, that you know, if someone showed up and you didn't know who they were, or if they looked to be a stranger to you, for every person who might have been gracious and welcoming, there might have been the person who was like, well, who's that person? And well, I don't know, they, they sat in my seat. Hmm. And if someone came and they had a different worship practice or uh, they did something that was a little different, well, how are we going to decide, well, you know, what's right because we've been doing it this way? Or in all of the things that we do, um, what are the most important ones? And depending on who you ask, you might get different answers. So now you imagine the people who have returned to be together. And in some ways, those who are returning from exile feel like foreigners to those who have been there all along. Mm -hmm. Those who have been in exile think that they are the ones who are the faithful returning. But what about these people here, some of whom married outside of our tradition, and now they feel like foreigners to us? And for God to say in all of that, my house will be a house of prayer for all peoples, and I will make people joyful in my house. That, to me, is at the core of this passage. Yeah, I think the Lord still says, though, that this is my house and my rules. Uh, it's not a free-for-all, but it certainly uh, goes against some of the thinking of either racial or ethnic purity uh, within, within that body of that assembly of believers. And really is a radical call that everybody is welcome here. I think the part that most struck me as I read through it this weekend was, was in verse 7, where, where God explicitly says, anyone I bring into this holy mountain, I will take their burnt offerings and their sacrifices, because that's the very language that God uses elsewhere in the prophetic literature to say, hey, chosen people, you are so far off track that I don't even want your gifts. They aren't valid in my eyes anymore. You have so disappointed me. I don't even want your sacrifices. And so for God to, to take the opposite uh, approach here with all of these people funneling in back after uh, exile is uh, a, a, an unmistakable signal that indeed all are welcome.
think it lifts up that as important as rituals and practices can be, that overarching that is the ethics of being God's people. Yeah. And so for the people in Isaiah, well, which is the most important thing? Keeping the Sabbath or the, the system of temple sacrifices? Well, let's not get hung up on which of those is the most faithful. Let's think about what it means to be called together to God's house of prayer. And that the ethical practice, rituals are important, but ultimately it's about ethics and being grounded in, in who God calls us to be. Let's let God call that tune. And this is, uh, as you lifted up earlier uh, in our podcast here, one of those hinges in Isaiah where we've gone from exile to the return home. And, and I think the placement of this welcome is very uh, important in that context because it's a new beginning in a lot of ways. And it's going to be a new beginning theologically as well. Uh, God's kingdom is far bigger and broader than human imagination will allow. And what was true back then continues to be true today. Yeah, as we prepare to move on from this reading, you know, the folks in this passage are having to do a lot of meaning-making. They're having to make meaning of both their history and their more recent experience. And now who will we be together and as they are processing all of that, one of the things that I see and imagine God saying is, remember to have grace with one another. Mm-hmm. I've called you all here, so remember to have grace with one another. There are so many contexts in our lives beyond just a place of worship where I think that's going to be really important right now as we're figuring out things like work and school and so many other things where people have been away or are coming back or are trying to figure out how to be in the same place and on the same page. Let's have some grace with one another and know that God is in this with us. Because as God says in verse 8, we're all outcasts, but as long as we're God's outcasts, we're going to be okay. Yes. So let's move on to our psalm. This week we're going to be having verses of Psalm 67. May God be merciful to us and bless us. May the light of God's face shine upon us. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide all the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has brought forth its increase. God, our own God, has blessed us. May God give us blessing, and may all the ends of the earth stand in awe. I love the Psalms. (laughs) Well, uh, in the Psalms, one of the things that um, we look for is repetition. Repetition is an indication of importance or emphasis by uh, the psalm writer. And there are two forms of uh, repetition that take place in Psalm 67. Uh, One is that verse that you uh, read twice. You weren't uh, skipping around. It was in there twice. (laughs) Verse 3 and verse 5. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Might be something to that. That, That's emphasis. And the other thing is that word all. It shows up by my count five times in these sparse little verses. So that's certainly hearkening back to the prayer of the day and the inclusive nature of God's kingdom. So much of this psalm is, while focused on all people, really the, the lead here is what's God doing? 
May God be merciful. May God bless us. May God's face shine upon us, which is an expression of favor. Let God's way be known. Let God's saving health be known and experienced. Let everyone praise the God who is this God. Because we believe that God is going to continue to give us blessing. It's fun to read variations of the Psalms. There are lots of different translations out there. And uh, one of the ones I was looking at uh, near the beginning of the Psalm takes a real different uh, approach to it. It says, then, God, those living on the earth will know what you are like. And so Mm -hmm. it's sort of a negotiating tactic. God, bless us, shine your light on us, because once people see how joyful we are, it'll draw more people. (laughs) And there's a certain amount of self-interest in that, but there's some truth, too. There's a lot of pressure in that kind of negotiation, (laughs) though. Okay, if... If God were to say, this is all hypothetical, by the way, because sure. God is not an ATM machine. <laughs> but if God was to say, okay, fine, I'll bless you. Now your job is to praise me to the end of the earth. Oh, boy. Okay, get going. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you got enough to do for a while. <laughs> One of the things I love about studying Scripture is, uh, as Luther used to say, Scripture interprets Scripture. There's a there's a certain vocabulary, and you know you see that in the 19th century and the 18th century, even if people weren't explicitly religious. Abraham Lincoln would be a good example. He wasn't a, a traditionally religious person, but he used Scripture as a second language, and and we've lost that to a large degree. So I I want to point out that at the first verse of the psalm, may God be merciful to us and bless us, may the light of God's face shine upon us. That's, uh, that should ring an echo, a bell in your ears. That's uh, like that well-known benediction from Numbers 6 that we use all the time here at Grace. Look upon you with favor and give you peace. Yeah. 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 And you'll hear more about the psalm on Wednesday if you come out to our uh, Grace on the Go worship. I'll be uh, talking about the psalm as part of our reflection this uh, today, actually. That's this evening. Yeah. Time runs together these days. <laughs> Shall we move on to Romans? Let's do that. Our second reading for this coming Sunday is from Romans 11. Paul writes, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. For the gifts the calling of God are, are irrevocable. Just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience, so they have now been disobedient in order that, by the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may be merciful all. What do you make of that? Well, I'm going to skip the last sentence for a moment. (laughs) Um, What I focused on when I looked at this reading this time, God has not rejected. That's really what's going on here, is who's in, who's out, who's being uh, included and who's being rejected. It's the litmus test, the measuring stick kind of things that we do in our lives, and in this case, Paul's reminding the Romans that both Jews and Gentiles um, are a part of God's mercy. In other words, we're not supposed to spend all our time figuring out what's wrong with those people so that we can 
prop ourselves up, just as you were once disobedient, but have now received mercy. They who were disobedient may now too receive mercy. Mm-hmm. And it is the great equalizer of grace. Mm-hmm. Not that we need to spend our time assessing who meets the right standards. Grace is the great equalizer. Sometimes that's really frustrating to us. We want to think that maybe it's different, especially if we think that we're right. Every single one of us is going to fall short. Every single one of us is not only fortunate to receive God's mercy, but we're not being asked to help decide if there is a a dividing line for those who are beyond it. That's not our purview at all. Yeah, I would say that there are two equalizers. Certainly grace and mercy are one, but those become equalizers because of the first one, which really Paul is getting into in that last verse. Mm-hmm. Um, we are all imprisoned, or another translation says consigned in disobedience. I, I think Luther would say this is the action and the work of the law. Just mm-hmm. as we all need grace, that's because we're all sinners. We have all broken the law. We have all failed to be perfectly righteous. It's just not capable. Uh, we're not capable of doing that. And so we all need mercy, and thanks be to God, we can all receive it. But that person over there is a bigger sinner than me, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It's, wait, you're looking at me. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's exactly the trap. We all fall short of God's glory. The law condemns us. The law points out our shortcomings. The law drives us then to that mercy and grace that we so desperately need. And we can think that sometimes maybe our call is to assess, well, who really is doing a worse job at something? But at the end of the day, each and every one of us is drawing lines that God really is not drawing. The law, of course, is showing us our shortcomings, but we're all in that same boat. One of my very favorite cartoons that depicts this has a bunch of people who are all standing in what looks like Uh, a grid where each person is in a square and the squares have been drawn to keep people in a certain place which sort of implies that some are in and some are out and there's a person in the one part of the cartoon who has a pencil and that person is drawing new lines new ways that will exclude people or say who is in and who is out and coming along behind him is the figure of Jesus Mm -hmm. who also has a pencil but Jesus has his pencil upended so that he's using the eraser to erase all of the lines that we draw. And for me, yes, those lines that the law creates do matter, and we do have to see ourselves in a framework. At the end of the day, the law of love and the law of grace are what God brings to us. We can't get there ourselves, and we should be grateful for God's grace to us without focusing on trying to dish out what we're sure others might deserve instead. There's a... uh footnote I read in one of my study Bibles that I liked a lot. I wrote it down. It's simply this. God's mercy is as impartial as God's judgment. That is very good news. Yeah. As we move into the gospel, that's really a theme I think that comes up as we're considering uh, this week's gospel. And we're going to be using the uh, verses of the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, beginning with the 21st verse. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But 
he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. You sure you don't want to preach this weekend? I actually <laughs> love this gospel. <laughs> it's, it's, there is a lot of good news in this gospel. Uh, but you have to unpack it uh, because at first glance, Jesus seems just like a world-class jerk in this. Uh, but he's really revealing something very important about his mercy and, and uh, who's deserving of God's grace. Um, nobody in the end truly deserves all of God's blessings. And uh, the good news is that in the end, we get them not because we deserve them, but because Jesus loves us just that much. So we'll see if we can make some sense of that on Sunday. Well, I'm sure that you probably will. I'm just going to share one little snippet. I have a book by Megan McKenna called Not Counting Women and Children, Neglected Stories from the Bible. And one of the chapters that she writes is on the Canaanite woman. And she says that we forget that all the stories in Scripture have historical backgrounds theological ramifications, but also the realities of prejudice and nationalism, religious bias, and the basic human needs of sickness, death, exclusion, racism, and cultural environments that we can often subsume in our present-day realities. The other thing she says to remember is that scripture deals with two poles or extremes, of prophecy and mercy. The word is pure and evocative out of the mouth of God and the tradition of the prophets, the singers of psalms and poets, lays down a foundational base of experience. But as people of God, that word is calling us to repentance, transformation, and faithfulness. People not just caught in the glare of the word of the prophet, but in the net and the broken web of community. Individuals who are excluded, isolated, or rejected. What draws prophecy and mercy together and integrates them is the person of Jesus, standing both as the word and standing as the one who brings compassion and pulls the two together, making people whole and holy and of, of, all of a piece. And whenever I hear this gospel and I hear what sound like harsh words coming from Jesus, sometimes it reminds me that maybe harsh words have come out of my own mouth, and I really hate when I hear them coming out of Jesus' mouth. It makes me think about how they must have sounded in some other time. And that drives me to think about mercy. So Pastor Shul, I look forward to hearing you Give us a word of compassion and mercy and God's grace, integration. Well, no pressure there. Yes, all of that in just one little sermon. Yeah, pray, pray for me, friends. In the meantime, stay tuned for Sunday. You can join us with a pre-recorded Zoom worship posted on our Facebook page or our website, glcpa.org, under sermons. Or join us live on the radio at 1030 WRSC 1390 AM or 93.3 FM or on your smart device. We also invite you to join us in person for outdoor worship in our local parks. Today, we'll, we will be at Spring Creek Park at 6 p.m. 
by the covered bridge. Make sure to enter by the Hauserville Road entrance. Now, next week, we have a little change to the schedule. We're going to now be at Benner Township Municipal Park on Buffalo Run Road. Whatever Wednesday service you come to in August, make sure you bring your own chair and bring a mask. If you're looking for more faith resources, check out our Faith Formation website at glcfaithformation.org. As always, however we gather, it is a joy to be with you as we refill ourselves to serve Jesus. So friends, I'm going to close us with our prayer for the end of our time together. Lord, we are one in you, living in communion as your children. As long as there are dogs under tables, the masses who live in misery, those who suffer from demons, those rejected by society or even church, there you are found. Call us to you there to grow in humility and awareness of your unconditional love lavished upon us and teach us to grow in and share that love in all the ways your spirit draws us forth so that together we can be healed by our encounter with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, we love you. We miss you. We hope to see you soon. Take care, everyone.